Sarah, so nice of you to return back to the United States. We missed you Thanks, as a nation. Really. As a nation. <laughs> yes, I was um, in Europe. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, we were in Liverpool, different places in Ireland, London, and um, it was really cool. We were in Liverpool. First of all, the greatest like Indian food, Middle Eastern food ever, but which is awesome. Oh, but... so that's good. So there was a place with some good food. Yes, because I couldn't have fish and chips every day. Like, there's a point. Like, I okay. Do you like fish and chips? No. Okay. <laughs> do not eat. Do not eat fish. Or I like... don't like fried food that much. Uh, oh my god, are you kidding? That's why you don't like it. Correct. Wait, so you don't? Okay, do you like French fries? I'll eat some. <laughs> But it's Perfect. not like something I'll order for myself. Like if fry, if someone orders fries, I'll like be like, "Can I have like two or three? Wow! So like, what do you guys decide for your meal? Like, you know how fries are choice? Like, do you just get vegetables? A side salad. Wow! I really hate that. <laughs> Everyone so- hates me so much right now. They're like, "The oatmeal bitch strikes again." <laughs> Is that what we're? Called? <laughs> oh my god now we're gonna call you ob that's, that's <laughs> honestly that's a pretty sick nickname ob <laughs> instead of obj we're just shortening it ob um sick. anyways we got to see the the liverpool football club I, i'm not going to lie I'm, I'm not the um the biggest uh soccer fan in the world but like i'm in liverpool like i'm going to visit the stadium like i'm i wanted to tour it Definitely. um and it was, like, just a really, really cool experience. Um, it, it, it's it's very, like, historic, Carly. You know how, obviously, stadiums here, mm-hmm. like, they look so modern. Like, they're just, like, these have an older an older feel to it, you know? That's cool. I like that, though. Like, the history in the yeah. walls of the stadium. Yeah. Exactly. So, Anfield is really, really cool. Really glad I got to see it. And, yeah, um, we, like, it's so funny because when you travel sometimes, you just do things that you don't expect. Like, there was this mm. really, really little town called Cove in Ireland, and, like, I never would have thought to like go to Co, but we were on a cruise, like it was one of the stops, like ended up being like this little paradise. Like I just appreciate those moments when you just didn't even know these things existed. Definitely. And I think that's like the beauty of like stumbling upon these places. Yeah. And especially in, I mean, I guess anywhere, like these little towns that you don't really come across much, like they're, they can be really beautiful and unique. Exactly. Like, I kind of think about Greece. Like, I feel like everyone mm-hmm. always knows about, like, Santorini and Mykonos. But there's also a dozen other little places in Greece that yeah. are, like, just as stunning. But it's, it's about the, the ones that get advertised is the ones everyone goes to. And right, knows. the touristy places. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're like a travel agency. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, let's, let's book, book our next trip now. <laughs> Literally. We do other things, guys. We're just, <laughs> we just want to make that very clear. Yeah. But just funny because we were just talking about how in Carly's last role it was it was so hard for her to have a personal life and do other things. Oh yeah, but now now we can now we can be diverse and interesting and uh, multi <laughs> multifaceted humans. Yeah. We love that exactly. But to sports because that's what's really important, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna talk about some NHL free agency. That's what's popping right now. I have to say, like, I didn't even realize. So free agency was like the other day, and. For some reason, my ESPN, I thought I only had Rangers notifications on. Mm-hmm. My ESPN decided to send me every transaction. Oh, my God. Every so single one? Every wow. single free agency transaction. I was like, what? what? So I just kept, like, my phone was blowing up all day. Check your NHL settings. free agency. Check it was so funny. Settings. I was like, wow. Okay. I'm very informed. Yeah. <laughs> very informed. 
I do want it. There was a lot going on, of course, as, as you know, ESPN was blowing me up. But <laughs> I do want to just highlight some of the big things. Yeah. So the Penguins, they hold on to two of their vets, Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. They really thought they were going to lose Malkin, and they were able to rope him back in with a nice deal. Um, money talks. That's so our theme for the pod. A hundred percent money talks. And then the Edmonton Oilers keep Evander Keen, similar fashion. Ottawa lands longtime flyer Claude Giroux, who left the Flyers last year during the trade deadline to go to the Panthers, which is like a huge thing. He was their captain in Philly for a long, long time. A lot of Flyers fans were hurt and because of it. Now he's in Ottawa. Gets shipped up to Canada. See ya, Claude. And uh, <laughs> the Caps signed the Stanley Cup goaltending goaltender who who won this year with the Avs, Darcy Kemper. So the Caps signed him, which cool movement for him. Goes to another good team in a very competitive division. And then the biggest one, um, the biggest name that was in free agency this year is. Johnny Goodrow, so he was a Calgary Flame for a long time, wanted big, big bucks. Calgary didn't want to pay it. Columbus Blue Jackets say, come on over. They signed him to a seven-year deal. So Johnny's happy. Blue Jackets are happy. And uh, that's my little hockey take. I like that. I want to call it Carly's Corner. Like Carly's the Corner. I like it. I like, what do we call it during football season then? Football season, we can both, like, bond over, but NHL, I, I feel like that's that's got to be Carly's Corner. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's Carly's Corner, and I'm on the other side of the room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Love it. Quick little note about the MLB. What the hell is that, Sarah? That's... <laughs> There's no... There, so what? Why are we twinkling? I'm sorry. There's um. So that's my that's well. One, that's my ring doorbell. But two, that's Sasha like attacking people in the background. So I I apologize. All right. Very very. Why nice. are we twinkling? <laughs> I was like, why is it like fairy dust falling <laughs> in the background? Whatever. I, it does sound like fairy dust. I don't know like what ring. I feel like if I had to if I was able to choose a ringtone for my doorbell it would be like it would like ring and usher would go like yeah 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 <laughs> like that would be great wait say that again I need to <laughs> that's amazing yes I did just say that yes if I could choose the ringtone for my doorbell ring yeah 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 well usher will come on that would be great <laughs> honestly this is the best quote we've ever had on the pod. Nothing will ever compare to that. I'm really on fire today with oatmeal bitch and <laughs> doorbell noises. Wait, yeah was the kind of song that like it was my favorite hype song. That it's like still it. my favorite. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's actually amazing. Whenever it comes on, like when we're out, it just gets me so excited. Yeah, it's it's the best. Anyway, yeah. back to baseball. <laughs> um, so the All-Star break is approaching, um, which is a nice little fun time for everyone. Um, my boy Pete Alonzo is going to another home run derby. 
Love to see it. I get excited. I like the All Star break. I think it's fun. I like the Home Run Derby. Wait, Carly, have you seen the um the jerseys for All Star? They're they're no. oh my I god, the seen Atlanta. it yet? So guys, you gotta see the Atlanta Braves All Star jerseys. Like, I'm not a Braves fan by any means, but I love okay. it so much that I want my own. Let's like, see. I want to I want to buy one. You're gonna um, get a Dansby one. I ooh, <laughs> <laughs> but like the white and gold. Oh my god. Oh my god, it is nice. I like yeah. it. Very clean. It's so. Clean. I think. Yeah, I think you. You know. You know. We got some love for Dansby Swanson. I, <laughs> I think that's the one. Everyone loves. And mm-hmm. wait, another really cool headline, Carly, mm-hmm. is that with Bryce Harper out, there's yes. going to be the Contreras brothers. They're going to start together in the MLB game, which will be uh-huh. the first brothers to start on the same All Star team since 1992. Oh my god, I love that. That's Isn't so cool. that so cool? Like that that yeah. must be like for parents, like that is a dream. Well, it makes it easy. Go to one game. <laughs> yeah. It just it just must be such a cool feeling. And and Bad Bunny, I think he's gonna play in the all star celebrity game. So like I'm excited. Woohoo. Do you think he, he can hit? I don't know. Like, it's so funny because I feel like some of these some of these artists, I, I can't even imagine their athletic abilities. Like we know nothing about it. So I'm like, so This scary. is true. Like it could be like they could really like like, what if they're really good? Like, yeah, they could be really good and shock everyone, or they could be like horrible, or just somewhere in the middle, like an average human being. It, you know, it's hilarious. Like, J. Cole is going full basketball mode, like, he's really pursuing it. And it's just weird to think about, I don't know, like rappers and artists, like, kind of just, yeah, I don't know. Cause, like, he, I'm, I'm sure, Carly, you've like probably seen like the videos and the highlights, but mm-hmm. like, hit like just his his total like embrace of Canadian basketball and just like focusing on his basketball career has just been so exciting to see. Yeah, that is cool. So very cool. <clears throat> Two things I want to highlight um, before we go to our interview, as we were talking about money talks, and especially when it comes to TV rights, so. There are a couple things going on in the women's sports world. The NWSL TV rights are up for grabs in 2023. So hopefully there'll be a bit of a bidding war there. Um, well, Carly, and- do you have a really big guest that can weigh in on that coming up? Secret. <laughs> Just saying, we have, a, we have a very amazing guest who can definitely provide insight as to what's to come. Very, very, very amazing big guest. It has to do with women's soccer. <laughs> we're, we're, just gonna, we're just gonna leave that there and let it settle little, little cliffhanger bookmark it and circle back but going back to these tv rights the mls so the men's soccer just signed a 2.5 billion dollar broadcast deal that's crazy yeah so we'll see you know how that shakes out for the women's and then also um the wnba their deal is up in 2025 so couple years away but like it is on the horizon and we keep seeing viewership increases just in 2021 alone um we saw a 49 percent viewership increase so if that continues to grow by 2025 yeah it'll be a hot commodity i think that's so true and like we we you know we will talk about this with Thayer and we'll get into it but during covid especially in a time when you would think the opposite that's when women's sports were truly thriving and, and seeing so much growth Absolutely. And I think that the momentum from that has hopefully continued. And I think it has, at least in, in a select few women's sports. Remember the, the iconic WNBA hoodie campaign? I always. Like, oh, my God. Yes. I'm sorry. But like that was 
like and I even noticed it it would influence like every day like I don't know about you but I'd kind of like walk around and like notice people just on my own personal like wearing them buying them like that it was, was iconic sick yeah it was crazy yeah that was really cool and also like and there our our interview was great I have to say like we she made some like awesome points like talking about how merch is so important and like when you rock a jersey or whatever like that's bringing awareness to the sport and to the game 100 percent. and she yeah she definitely touches on all these amazing points and has the personal experience to kind of match up with that which is what made it so amazing yeah so we're gonna stop teasing you and we're just gonna go to the interview (laughs) we'll see you guys there We welcome Thayer Laviel to the show, Executive Vice President of The Collective, a division of Wasserman dedicated to raising the visibility of women and driving inclusion in the sports and entertainment industry. Thayer, thanks so much for being here with us. It's such a pleasure to be here with you guys. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So let's get right into it. Um, I brought up The Collective in your intro, and that is something that I don't know a lot of our listeners know about. So could you just give us a brief description of what The Collective is and its mission? Sure. Um, So as your listeners may know, Wasserman is a global sports and entertainment agency. uh, And we have essentially two primary functions within our business. One is talent representation, where we represent a lot of different athletes across many different sports globally. And then we also represent many different um, artists and, you know, musicians across many different genres of music. So we have big talent Um, on a global scale, which is fantastic. And then another part of our business is really where we work with brands and properties, teams and leagues and venues. And we do everything from um, research and insights to strategy, partner management, negotiation, huge activations, high-end hospitality, campaigns, creative campaigns, Super Bowl ads, influencer campaigns. We measure everything. Um, And so we're also like a big global agency on that side with lots of moving parts. The collective sits alongside all of that and is a practice that is focused on elevating um, and giving more visibility to women within the sports and music space. And that might be as executives, it might be as athletes, it might be as sports, or it might be just as a woman fan. And so what we do is we then leverage all of the things within our own ecosystem to help push forward for gender equity, or we might use things outside of our ecosystem to be able to help our own ecosystem. So we might create partnerships or create um, ways of um, aggregating information or whatever it will, whatever we can do to just continue to push the dialogue forward on, on gender equity. That's amazing. And, you know, you specifically getting into kind of your role and all of that, you started your career in journalism and PR. Um, now you've made the change to the entertainment side, the agency side. What was that transition like and kind of what does your day-to-day consist of right now? Right. So my, um, my route to Wasserman and sports and music was very circuitous and completely haphazard and unintentional. <laughs> um, I started off really moving to France after college, not having any idea what I wanted to do when I grew up, and, but I spoke another language. And I kept banging on the door of ABC News until they finally let me in for an internship. And I would, they would literally like put me into a dark closet And now that I think back about it, I'm like, maybe they just wanted me in a dark closet, but they put me into a dark closet to log videotape and pull newswire. And I would basically do whatever they asked because I was just wanted a place to go and was hungry for work. 
Um, and eventually I got paid to do some things and eventually I got offered a job back in New York City. And so I moved um, and worked at ABC for about five years um, at World News Tonight and then at Good Morning America. And I really learned a lot about the hustle there because it's it's breaking news. And so you're constantly gathering data very, very quickly and trying to to beat your competition and you're trying to disseminate what's actually true and what's happening. And, you know, is this person telling me just their facts or is there, are they telling me the facts? Then I've got into PR um, and I worked at a luxury boutique firm um, that worked with brands like Mont Blanc and Tag Heuer and, you know, all sorts of different, fantastically fun luxury brands. Um, and from, and that's really where I learned to tell stories. I, I was able to how to weave a story together because when you're working at a PR agency, at least from my experience, it was, you had to take very disparate parts in order to try to sell media because back in those days, it was not 24 hours a day. Um, and so you had to really sell your story. Um, and so we would have to create connectivity between things in order to do that. And from there, I went into L'Oreal, um, where I started as a PR person in this fragrance division um, and eventually moved into a more of a, well, really running both marketing and um, PR for some fragrance brands that were these old, um, you know, luxury European brands. And I had no interest in working in marketing. My boss just said, can you trust me on it? I really think that you'd be good at this. You have a lot of great ideas. Um, and I didn't have any background and I didn't study marketing. I didn't know the first, it just looks like a lot of math to me. Like I, I honestly had no interest in it. And he was like, we'll teach you everything. If you have the patience and the gumption and the resolve to do it with me, I will, I will commit the time and resources to teaching you this but I think you really can knock some stuff out of the park. And so I was like, okay, so I did. And I stuck with it and he held to his word and I had just, it's actually quite remarkable. He was such a great leader for me. Um, and, and he gave me every opportunity to succeed and to fail. And um, we had, I had huge success. My first foray into sports was with him where I had taken a, a old fragrance brand called Dracar Noir and relaunched it on the backs of Dale Earnhardt Jr who at the time was a very young driver. Um, and he found great success through that, Dale did, and the brand found great success through that. Um, so then I ended up going to Lancome. And then um, in my time at Lancome, I had a couple kids and we were living in New York City and um, Dale Jr. and his sister Kelly had, had said several times, like, why don't you come down to North Carolina and work for us? And I thought, mm, I don't know, I live in New York and I don't wanna do that. And then I had two kids and was like, that sounds great. So. <laughs> We uprooted and moved to North Carolina where I worked for him for about four years and um, had another child. And then that's how I met Wasserman was really through um, negotiating a deal for Nationwide on behalf of Dale Jr. and meeting the team here, which we were a much smaller company back then, Wasserman was, um, and came here about 11 years ago. And it's been quite remarkable to see our growth, but also to be able to you know, weave my own growth in the process. Absolutely. Um, obviously, you've really had quite a lot of experience under your belt, which is awesome. And I'm sure it really all that brings so much to your role now. Um, I do want to kind of dive in to what the landscape sports looks like for women and how the collective wraps into all of that. So what was the launch of the collective like how important was it for women in the industry for female athletes in the industry and 
what has the collective done to help make the sports industry a better place for women? Um, well, there are a lot of questions in there and I'm not sure I'm the one to answer them all because I don't, I mean, I can only see it from our perspective and my perspective of someone who was really kind of on the inside leading the, the formation of it. Um, I hope that it's touched people. I hope that it has made a difference for people. I hope that it has made a difference for significant thought leadership and decision-making. Um, you know, we live in a really complicated ecosystem in the, in the sports space, and it's everything from as simplistic as we just need to sell tickets to put butts in seats to um, our women, our people watching um, women's sports to is, can you even compare gender equity within the sports space? Like, how do you even get your arms around that, right? And so the collective, because of the vastness of what Wasserman is and does, um, we are not afraid to tackle a lot of those big meaty questions candidly. Um, so um, when we look at thinking about how the collective um, started, it started because we've been doing this work for two decades already. We've been already marketing to and through women on all sides of our business. And so it was like, well, you know, this, there seems to be a lot happening in a movement of women just in culture around the world we've already been doing this work. How can we create a more intentional focus for us so that we as a company can provide enough resources and um, I think bandwidth for the agents and for our brand leads to be able to really understand what's going on in the space. But then also how do we do that for the industry at large? And therein lies the challenge, because when we first started, there's so little information out there. You really have to just scour the four corners of the Internet at that point to figure out any data on anything. Some of these stats we were pulling were like from 2014, um, and those were the most updated consumer stats. What we did is we started with who she is as a consumer, because ultimately women have the purchasing power in this country and in the basically in the Western world. And so if we're driving 85% of household spend and we're almost half of an entire sports fan base, depending on the sport, and we're more than half of a music you know, fan base, why are we being marketed to the same way as our dads and our sons and our brothers and our husbands? Like, there's so many questions that are I have about that, you know, like, why are they being marketed to the same? But, but then why are we just lumped in? Because we don't necessarily want the same things or think the same way. So then we started to dive into research around, well, how does Gen Z and millennial women, how do they actually think and how do they consume? And how's that different than my generation of Gen X? And when we started to dive in, we realized that there, the, the, that is the biggest factor that people in sports particularly need to pay attention to is just the consumption habits of Generation Z, men and women, but also particularly women as, as you know, money holders is vastly different than the people running the companies for the most part, the Gen X's and the boomers. And so there's some, there can be um, room for some translation issues on there. Um, what it has meant to the industry, you know, I don't know. I mean, we, we started out with um, consulting services, if you will. We started a think tank because 
based on the fact that there was so it was so hard to get information, we started to gather people together and lots, there's so many amazing academics out there globally who are just have been doing this work day in and day out for decades. And so how can we start to gather us all together? I, of course, thought they all knew each other and we were just inviting ourselves to their secret club. They don't. And that's kind of cool too, is that we're bringing people together that they may have really respected across the landscape. Um, and are finally able to work together on some projects. So we have a think tank, we have um, a community that you guys have been able to enjoy a little bit, um, bringing together executives from around the sports and music industries um, on a monthly basis, um, just to get to know each other and to connect. We have that same um, function across college students. We, um, you know, I, I mean, I hope that has touched me. I know that those moments have certainly touched people and we've provided some great um, friendship and camaraderie and really life-changing opportunities for some who've gotten jobs through that network. Um, but, but ultimately the change that we wanna see is really through um, the impact through brands, through properties and through our talent. And that for me is the most rewarding is when we can take research, publish it, when we can take um, working with a client and create tools to then disseminate those to a much broader audience, which is uh, some of the work that we've done, or work with some of our talent clients to be able to provide opportunities that they never would have seen before, like the Collective Marketplace, um, which is an online um, website where they can women athletes can go on and sell their own memorabilia and collectibles, um, which doesn't exist. Like, take charge of your legacy. Come on. So. Um, I hope we have so much more work to do. I mean, it's just broken on every spoke. So we've got so much more to do. And I really can't wait to see how, you know, our plans will come to life going forward. Um, I can definitely say firsthand, we know about those great events and we're very appreciative of those women in the industry ourselves. But you mentioned a lot about purchasing power and financial gain and how important that is. Do you think looking at the landscape right now, like that's the biggest thing is money the answer in terms of bolstering women's sports is it you know the tv coverage deals and like how do we get more money into women's sports i know right now the WNBA that's kind of the main topic right now well i think it's all of those things money certainly helps but in order to get money into the sport um you need to have the people who are going to buy the tickets and the merch and um the products of the sponsors and so it's this this kind of broken cycle or has been this broken cycle. I will say that we launched in 2019. In 2020, we had a global pandemic and there were so many articles that came out in the beginning of the pandemic that said, that's it, women's sports are done. Like nobody's gonna care. We were just coming off of it. I mean, it was like this huge momentous push around the US Women's National Team had just won the World Cup. Um, there was continued equal pay. There was um, continued conversation around women's ice hockey and, and equal pay. So there was just this whole conversation. That's it. Shut down. No more. We're not talking about women's sports anymore. Dead. Pandemic's going to kill it all. And then what happened is, um, to the contrary, women have been actually scrapping their whole lives. And so we were like, actually, hold on. We'll show you guys how to get through this because this is like no big deal. And so we, you know, Kathy Engelbert and the WNBA did the very first um, virtual draft. And then... Um, the NWSL held the very first, you know, tournament in a bubble. And then we really handled social justice like nobody's business in the wobble coming back around, you know, not that September. Um, and so all of a sudden women, women's sports were completely 
in people's faces because they were on their phones because there's nothing else to do. So we were all looking at our phones going, oh, that's who Sue Bird is. Oh, that's who Megan Rapinoe is. Oh, that's who Neko Gumake is. Oh, okay, there's Ibtahaj Muhammad. Like we were able to see all of these people all of a sudden that we had never been able to see before. Um, and so media started to pay more attention. And so then sponsors started to pay more attention. And little by little, fast forward really two years later, and you have massive increases in television viewership. You have massive increases in um, attendance across different sports. Angel City has launched and sold out their stadium multiple times for games. Like, this is amazing. So money, definitely everybody needs an infusion of cash. Um, but it really is cyclical and starts with viewership and then gets into that leads to sponsorship, right? And sponsorship really helps build, fund better programs. And then you get into, um, you know, ticketing attendance, which helps build a community and then merchandise, which is candidly so woefully underserved. I just don't get it. Why those that shall not be named are not really leaning in to creating an incredible ecosystem of merchandise for women's sports. Like it's, it's such a missed opportunity or such, not even a missed opportunity. There is such opportunity. I really like everything that you said there. Um, I think you made some very, very good points. Um, and I've always, you know, said to, you know, it, like you were saying, it's about visibility and awareness. Um, and I, you know, and, and then of course, like, the question is for the sports that the women's sports that aren't covered on TV yet or are having issues where there's visibility and awareness problems, like how do you get them? And then you need money to support that, you need investments. And there's just so many hurdles to jump over. Um, but, you know, I think you, like you, I was saying, you make some very good points in terms of just like how much does go into the machine of a professional sport and it being successful. Um, but I, because it's it's a machine yeah I mean it's, it's a men, machine on the men's side too like oh, yeah. it just is a machine and so the more that we can shout about it and prop each other up as women and the more that men can help be allies and advocate for and show up at the games and and buy season tickets for your family or your company or your friends whatever like do that show up all of us need to show up right a hundred percent I'm we've had people come on this and say it before you're gonna go to a sporting event why not try going to a women's sporting event yes why not give it a give it a go you might like it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um we do want to dive in a little bit about um some of the partnerships that you've worked on so um you've worked on some partnerships with some really big brands in the world like pepsi and l'oreal and every brand defines innovation in their own way. What's the most interesting campaign that you've worked on? And can you give us a little bit of detail about how that, that deal came about or that um, partnership came about? Um, which one in particular, sorry. <laughs> whichever one that you prefer, whichever like was most exciting for you. Um, well, we you know, they're in the, the big uh, buzz names, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I feel like I'm, I've been, um, I've been so lucky to be able to work on and um, be able to create so many different moments of collaboration with different groups. Um, so we, um, when I was at L'Oreal, I, I relaunched a brand called Dracar Noir, which was a really big brand in the night for guys. Like 
it was the fragrance. And so to relaunch that 20 years later um, with a really young and up and coming NASCAR driver was was incredibly successful, number one, because it really brought NASCAR, which was just starting to be on television, um, again, to department stores. And so there was this mixing of incredible um, audiences, really. We had our, we had at L'Oreal three regions that we sold in. There was like East, Central, and West. And we had four appearances with Dale Jr. And we split them across one, two, and three. Everybody got one, but you had to pick like your best, biggest store, you know, the whole thing. And the fourth one would go to whoever sold the most, right? And so we did, I think it was maybe Macy's Herald Square in New York City on Broadway that um, won. And what we decided to do was um, shut down Broadway and do a pit crew challenge between the New York City um, Police Department Football Club and the FDNY Football Club. Um, because those guys are, you know, that's heated. It's a heated competition between these groups. And so we flew them down to um, Mooresville, North Carolina, and we trained them how to change tires and how to be safe and all that. And then we flew them back up to New York. And, um, you know, we thought we were from New York, so we didn't really know that much about NASCAR. Um, and I mean, I had seen it and stuff, like seeing kind of the, the incredible passion that these fans had. But when we came the next day, we had our phones were ringing off the hook from the executives at Macy's saying, I, 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 you, I didn't believe you. You, did, you told me it was true, but I didn't believe you. And I said, what's going on? And they said, we have 4,000 people wrapped around the entire block of Macy's and then up another street waiting to get in line to see Dale Jr. Um, that's a pretty cool first kind of go run into sports, you know? Um, I, the benefit that I had there was a boss who just said, if you're going to do it, do it. If you're going to do it, go big. Um, and we had massive, massive returns on that, both from a, you know, order perspective, but also just in terms of brand um, affinity and, and all that. So that was a big one. I would say then going fast forward to working for him, being able to do all sorts of things like, you know, open Whiskey River, his, his bar in Charlotte to um, starting a production company um, alongside some of his teammates um, and producing TV shows and um, learning how to, you know, start a fan club and like just these really incredible experiences. Um, and then coming to Wasserman and being able to do things like open our China office or um, help manage and work with some of the most incredible brand accounts um, that to be able to kind of sit inside the marketing teams of some of these, you know, like on Microsoft or an American Express and see how incredibly dedicated and smart and um, intuitive these brand marketers are is, was really been such a privilege. Um, so I feel like there's not one that really stands out because I just feel, and then the launch of the collective is, is so gratifying um, because it's a labor of love. Um, and I get to work with such an, an incredible array of characters, not only within our own four walls across the world, but also with partners like you guys or partners like Women's Sports Foundation or um, some of our great clients um, or, you know, I mean, you name it, we've, we just, I just feel very lucky to be able to be able to do this every day. 
I really like that. And thank you for sharing, you know, those details with us. Um, really, really cool to hear some of the things you've done. Yes. Um, I do want to get your opinion because you've been, you know, been able to spearhead these partnerships with athletes, then working on the side of the athlete as well. What's your take on NIL deals at the college level and what do you think they've done so far for college athletes and what does the future for that look like in your eyes? Um, I think the future will be somewhat different and harnessed than um, it is today. I think it's a bit, um, I think the industry is trying to figure itself out. I think the NCAA is trying to figure itself out. I think the schools are running as fast and hard and, and creatively as they possibly can to provide for their students. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's quite heady. Um, the, the facts are that I think, you know, football kind of leads the show in terms of deals done. If you take football out, you know, women, women lead, uh, women athletes lead, which is an incredibly exciting stat. So I, I do feel like there's room, particularly for women athletes to be um, incredibly successful in the college space and through NIL. But as an agency, we are, we don't change who we are because of the opportunity. Like we, we will still only take the people that we would take. <laughs> so, um, you know, that leaves a lot of athletes out there who may be doing deals that may not be in their best interest because they are just thinking in the short term, but this pizza deal seems great, or I'm going to get, you know, free monsters for life. I'm calling out monster. That's probably not true. So, or free, whatever for life. And they haven't read the fine print and, um, you know, lo and behold, they're never allowed to do anything with another brand again. And they just didn't realize it because it seemed kind of, um, easy at the time. And so I think that there will, we'll see some of that wash out as this continues to evolve. I don't know. It's an interesting space. Um, yeah, I think it's quite, there's a lot of really interesting ways that schools could differentiate themselves, programs could differentiate themselves, but there's also so many rules and so much is changing that it feels a little scary to try to get yeah, the rules, are, in. The rules are changing literally every day. Um, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's um, like an insane game of double dutch and you're like, I'm not <laughs> sure when to jump in, you know? Yeah. yeah. Do you see I guess agencies being like smaller agencies being created just to handle college sports because it is such I think they already are yeah, yeah. and just totally. even more of that just so it's so complicated and also I've also heard that some agencies don't even want to touch dealing with college athletes and all that involvement you know uh, maybe I mean I think you know our our stance, I would say, is really down to the agent. And do they feel like that's an athlete that they would have signed anyway? Um, and can they continue to, um, you know, work with and serve that client appropriately at whatever stage of their career? So, but yeah, I think that there are lots of people taking full advantage of the Wild West. Sure. Um, something I'm really have been wondering is like, you talk about being inside these boardrooms, being inside these meetings and people globally in the US, like being a leader means thinking on your feet. When have you, can you talk about a time when you heard something really surprising in a meeting and like, how did you address it? Like something you're unprepared for? <laughs> um, I mean, there's, 
there are some times where you get the uh, kind of dismissive, like you're a woman type of thing. That was kind of earlier in my career. Um, and it's always shocking. And so I, I'm not one to immediately kind of confront and get out of my chair and be like, what's what? Particularly in a corporate setting where I was probably the lowest person on the totem pole. But um, but nevertheless, those things leave marks. Um, I did have a situation once where I was actually, I had been the head of a department and, or I was the head of a department and um, I had gone out on maternity leave and I had come back and my um, bosses had changed. Like I had still had my boss, but then like the other bosses had changed. And when I got back, I had gone in to present with these big corporate, very corporate corporate marketing meetings, you know? And so I went in to present our stuff and my immediate boss, who'd been my boss before, put her hand on my hand and said, you can't speak, only I'm allowed to speak now. And I was like, what? And so I caught up with her afterwards and I said, is there something that I've done wrong? She said, no, it's just the way it is now. Like only this level or above. And I thought, I will never be that person. I will never be that. Like, why am I sitting in the room if, um, if you're the only one that's going to answer for things? So, you know, there are some of those moments where you have to ask yourself, is, is something that is fundamentally wrong with how I'm approaching it? Or is it something that's fundamentally flawed? And then can I A, change it systemically? And if I can't, which I would never have been able to do there because that place was crazy. Um, can I at least make sure that that never happens for anybody else on my team going forward, no matter where I am? And so that's, um, I think everybody's career will have that. I'm sure you guys have situations where you're like, well, that just happened. Wow. <laughs> yeah, those, those go in the group chat straight to Carly. I start texting her immediately. 100%. You know, that's why like sharing these situations is so helpful because then someone can hear about it and be like, hey, like I've been through this too. And then you learn ways to address it. So that's why we like to have these conversations. Yeah, but I think it's also about, um, you know, there's, I think, I, I think a lot of what needs to come next for women and women in sports in particular um, is to, we have the ear now, we have people's attention. So now what? So now let's get to the solutions. So now let's get to the, how do we move forward parts? Um, um, and, and that's where I think the collective is where, where I know is working incredibly hard to find ways and, and find, you know, path markers for us to be like, this is a solution to a certain thing versus us just being like, well, you know, less than 1% of sponsorship or less than one, you know, 4% of coverage. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah we all know that. Like now what, now what are we going to go solution. do about it? Yeah. What's the solution? Um, because, you know, just screaming about it, it's not going to do much. Right. No, we love that. We're all about being solution oriented. <laughs> Let's solve the problems. Exactly. But we want to wrap there, Thayer. Thank you so, so much for your time. This has been great. Your insight has been awesome and we really, really appreciate it. So can you tell everyone where they can find the collective, um, all the things? Yes, you can go to wearethecollective.com. Um, and find out more on the collective itself. Um, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter. Um, you can learn more about the think tank. You can learn about some partnerships that we have with Shot Clock and Goals Media. 
Um, and you can also go to the collective marketplace.shop to check out some of the collective um, athletes merch stuff. So lots of good stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much. Again, this has been great. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was so insightful. And the amount of experience she's had with these amazing clients, partnerships, in and out of boardrooms, it's truly unmatched. Yeah, I thought she provided so much great perspective. I really liked a lot of the points she brought up. And like you said, she comes from so much experience. And I also just love what she's doing at the collective, what the collective is all about, the mission of the collective and what they're doing for women in sports and, you know, and entertainment and, and the industry. Exactly. And like she, you know, in being such a big part of the collective, it's truly, she's truly a trailblazer in every sense of the word. And Wasserman in general, you know, being the heavy yes. hitters they are in the industry to kind of set that path and promote women and women in sports. And like Absolutely. She about athletes. Even the athletes are supporting. Yeah. You know? And it's great to see that, like you said, such a big deal agency like Wasserman has dedicated the resources to the collective. I think it really sets a great precedent for what the rest of the industry should be doing. Uh, you couldn't have said it better. Absolutely. I really enjoy, I just also enjoyed her as a person. She's so kind, so wonderful. Agreed. So great interview there. And we will be seeing you guys next week. You know where to find us next one up podcast on Instagram next one up podcast on Twitter next one up pod at gmail.com and we will see you guys next week. Bye.